Well, we are in a series called Forgotten Conversation, and it's a series that talks about the power of prayer in our lives. How many of you believe, this is like a, an easy like Sunday school answer, so you can, you can do this, all right, but just for my sake, give me this affirmation. How many believe there is power in prayer? Just raise your hand really quick. Yeah, there's everybody in here, all right? And, and for some of you, we not only got the hand, we got the amen as well, which is pretty great. Let's do that again. How many believe there is power in prayer? Amen, right? Isn't that crazy? Like, we all unanimously agree with that statement. But one of the questions that I want to ask is this. When was the last time you really prayed? When was the last time you really prayed? Like a focused, intentional, sincere prayer. Or maybe a better question would be this. How often do you pray? How often do you have those kind of real, sincere prayers? Or is it some kind of forgotten conversation in your life? Why don't we pray more? Like, that, that's a question that some of you probably are thinking about today. That's something I think about all the time. Like, every one of us in the room raised our hands. We said amen. We agree to that. And hopefully you truly do believe that. And yet, I'll be honest, this is a, this is a challenge for me. Like, how many moments of my day go by without me truly thinking about God? Like, truly focused on God, truly spending time talking to him, like, why don't we pray more? I think for some of us, for some of us, we lack confidence. Like, if we're going to be honest, let's say from right here, let's say you're going to go into a connect group here in just a minute, um, and maybe you're sitting in that group, and like your biggest fear in the group, the biggest fear you got is having to pray in front of the group. In fact, when it's time, when you get to the end and the connect leader starts wrapping up, like nobody makes eye contact with the connect leader, Right? It's like, all right, I don't want to make eye contact. Why? Because you've got this big fear of praying in front of people. Because you've seen people that seem to be like professional prayers, right? I mean, if prayer.com had a sponsorship, it'd be on that guy. In fact, if the Super Bowl, if prayer had a Super Bowl, you feel like you'd be like on the JV middle school team riding the bench, Right? Because there's some people, man, like they are interceders, man. And not only are they or intercessors, they're not only intercessors, they, they just seem to always have the right words, right? Like they throw out the big words, the Asians in, in the Bible, you know, justification, salvation. Uh, I can't think of any right now. Uh, sanctification, thank you. <laughs> Tribulation, like they give you all the Asians. And it's amazing. They know all the names of God. Right? Like they're praying and Adonai's flowing in there. Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. Jehovah Jireh, which some of y'all might know that because we just heard that song coming in. Jehovah Jireh, the God who, uh, who will provide. Uh, and Jehovah Nisi, my banner. And we're like over here in the corner trying to put sentences together. And it's like Jehovah Nissan Maxima. Maximize my prayer life, Lord. But for some of us, it is. It's a struggle for us to pray. We just don't know how to do it well or what we think is well. And Jesus tells us here in Matthew chapter 6. In fact, turn to your Bibles there. Matthew chapter 6. 
for some of us that are feeling that this morning, that we just don't feel like we have the confidence to pray correctly, man, that's what this series is about, that maybe you can walk out of these three weeks together and truly feel like you have a conversational life with the God who cares for you. So we said these things last week about prayer. We said that prayer, it's not an elective. It's not something we do uh, just when we, when we feel like it. No, it's commanded by God. It's not a performance. It's not something we do just to get notoriety or, to, or to, for people to think we're super spiritual. It's not a performance. And it's not a magic lamp. It's not that this, this formula that we have with God where we just rub the magic lamp and just get whatever we want. No, prayer is a relationship conversation with God. Prayer is not just getting from God what you want. That prayer is not meant to be transactional. It's not an ATM booth, right? It's not like you go, you press in your magic code, and you get the things you want. No, it's more like a, a phone booth. It's more like a private time that you're able to have conversing with God. It's not transactional. It's relational. And prayer is not a button to be pushed. It's a relationship to be pursued. Where we would spend time creating a space, like both physically and mentally, that we would find a time in our day, each day, to find maybe a physical place, but definitely a mental place that we can go and we can get alone with God and we can pick up the phone of prayer and, and converse with the Almighty like this is what God desires from us, that we would create a space and that we would make it personal, that God is not just some distant or dormant God that's just living out in the universe. No, he's right here. The Bible tells us here, Jesus tells us here, he's a perfect father. The relationship between a son or a daughter of Christ with God, with this perfect Father, that we create a space, that we would make it personal, and that we would start our prayer with worship, that we would worship God for who he is, and that we would worship God for what he's done, that it doesn't start with all the things that we want to tell him about what we want and what we need, but it starts with worship. So I want to read, <coughs> excuse me, I want to read the part that we went through last week, and then we'll pick it up. So read with me in verse 5. Jesus says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our father in heaven... Hallowed be your name. Verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That when we pray, we're going to create a space 
We're going to make it personal. We're going to start with worship. And then we were gonna, we're going to align with his plans. We are going to align with his plans and his purposes. I mean, isn't this a funny little prayer? Lord, do your will. Lord, do what you want. Like we're telling God what to do here. Isn't he going to do that anyway? It, I mean, is the problem for God that he needs our permission to do his will? Is that why we're praying this? No, obviously not, right? God is more than able to do his will without my approval or my prayer. But he invites the participation of my prayers and my heart. I, I heard a, a pastor say this one time. I don't even remember who said it, but I found it in one of my little journal books. And man, this, is, this isn't in your notes but if I was going to write something down that wasn't in my notes, this would probably be what I wrote down. This is what prayer is, that God wants us. This will be on the screen, I think, in just a second. Maybe. There it is. God wants us to ask him to do what he is already going to do so that when he does it, we will know it was him who did it. God is inviting us in to participate in his already working plan and purpose. That this prayer is saying to God, yes, Lord, I do want your kingdom and I lay aside my own. I want to exchange my kingdom for his kingdom. That the power of prayer is to align with what God is already doing. Find out where God is already at work and join him. Does that sound familiar? Like we just did a series on that, or just, it was like a year ago, but we did a series on that, experiencing God. This idea that, that we're to join God at what he's already doing. And Jesus sets the example for us. In John chapter 5, uh, the, the religious leaders began to challenge Jesus, and they were really challenging what authority he has to do the things that he's doing. And I love what he says in verse 19. He says, Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. This is Jesus talking. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son does also. Jesus is setting the example. What is Jesus doing? He's doing what he sees the father doing. So how do you know what God is doing. How do you know what God is up to? We get in here. We get in our prayer life. We shut the door and we begin to talk to God. We begin to ask him, Lord, what is it that you are up to? What is it that I can get on your page on? What are those things that the purpose of prayer is not to persuade God so he can do my will? The purpose of prayer is to know God so I can do his will. And it's not about Jesus getting into our flow. It's about us getting into his flow. I mean, here it is, guys. He gets us, but do we get him? He gets us, but do we get him? Or are we just off doing our own thing, hoping he'll bless whatever it is we do? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in 
heaven and in my life as it is in heaven and in this meeting I'm going into as it is in heaven and in my family as it is in heaven and with these friends I'm hanging out with as it is in heaven and with this decision I need to make as it is in heaven. It's waking up saying, Lord, can I be useful to your purposes today? Lord, I need to get on your agenda today. Can you help me get on your agenda? That when we do this, when I walk out of my prayer closet, my to-do list is now his to-do list. And the things that I wanted to get done that day aren't near as important as the things that he's revealed to me that I need to get done that day. So we align with his plans And that sets the tone for what we do next. We ask. We ask. Look at verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, I don't know about you, but this seems like an odd question to ask from a well-fed American. Right? I mean, it's kind of an odd thing to think about. Most of us have never truly ever had to worry about food. It's just always been there for us. But it's not so odd of a statement and not so odd of a request when we think about Christians all over the world and even some here in America who simply don't have their basic needs met. In fact, when Jesus was saying this, he was saying this to a society where there was no job security, where there was no employee benefits, and there was no government assistance. He's saying this to a bunch of day laborers, people that would go and they would try to find work just for the day. There's no job security. They would go to a place and they would say, hey, could, could you use me today? Could I, could I get some work and, and can I get some money? And at the end of the day, that, all, that boss, that employee would pay for that day. And then there'd be some days where he'd go to work and he'd go and he'd, he'd say, hey, do you have any work for me today? And, and the, the employer would say, no, I don't, I don't have anything. And you know what? That day, typically the family wouldn't eat. This is the society that Jesus is saying this to. Give us this day our daily bread. And and it is about food. It is absolutely about food. But bread here symbolizes far more than food. It's physical. It's emotional. It's spiritual. And it's relational needs. Every need you have. Jesus is saying through this request, hey, go ahead and ask me for those things. These seven words represent for many of us, though, a catch-all for all that we need as well as all that we want. In fact, it's kind of become the Santa part of the prayer, right? Like for some of us, and I remember being as a kid, I remember my parents kind of teaching me how to pray, and really it was that same kind of model we were just looking at. And I remember I would rush through the worship part, right? It's like, God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this. Thank you for this. Thank you for this. But here's why I'm really here. I need you to do this, 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 this. And sometimes there were needs in there. But a lot of times, for me, it was wants. It was more like sitting, not on a perfect father's lap, it was more like sitting on Santa's lap to get the things that I not only need, but to get the things that I want. 
And I love this because it doesn't say, it's not give us this day our cake. It's give us this day our bread, our daily bread. God wants to minister to our needs, but he is in no obligation to minister to our greeds. The greeds, the things that we are greedy for. And we've all been there, right? Like, I can't tell you, I'm embarrassed to say this, and I I think I've shared this before. I can't tell you the times I'll be driving down the road, and I'll be thinking to myself, Lord, if you would just bring about some long-lost uncle to give me a great inheritance, Lord, I would do so much for you. I would, I would just meet all the needs, all these things we got going on at church. I'd, I'd, make, I'd make it work. I'd, I'd work at the church for free. They wouldn't have to pay me anything. I mean, just how much simpler would life be, Lord, if you would just give me all this money? And then I, 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 as I'm driving, I'm sitting there thinking of all the things I would do. And as I'm thinking of all the things that I could use this money for, for the kingdom of God, all of a sudden a jet ski will pop up in the brain, right? It's like all these great things and the jet ski on Moss Lake, right? And then I start thinking some more and I'm like, I'd have the jet ski. Oh, and I love Wrightsville Beach. So I'd probably have a house at Wrightsville Beach. But you know what, Lord, the times I'm not there, we'll use it for ministry, right? We've done that, haven't we? We've done that with God. We thought, Lord, it's, it's all these things. And, and God's here to help us and satisfy us in our needs, but he's under no obligation to satisfy us in our greeds. But here's what is true. God is inviting us to ask freely. To ask freely. Verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. Now, this is kind of crazy because how this reads and how it's spoken, it's kind of a, has a commanding tone, doesn't it? I mean, look at how it says it, or look in the verse there. Give us this day our daily bread. Like, parents, I want you to think about this for just a minute. Today, you're going to go home, you're going to sit down for a meal. Can you imagine your 10-year-old sitting at the table and just looking at mom and saying, mom, give us spaghetti today. Like, what, what would the mom do as soon as that happens? I can tell you what our family would do. Uh, try that again, right? Like, that's the nice way of saying I'm about to backhand you, right? <laughs> try that again. It sounds a little commanding, doesn't it? Even more, this is our heavenly father, the God of the universe. Doesn't this sound a little disrespectful? The Greek word here, forgive, is the word dos. And this is, this is what even makes it more interesting. It's an imperative tense. This word is in the imperative tense here, which for you English majors, it typically means this is, this is given as a command. But in the Bible, anytime an imperative is used toward God, it isn't a command because, let's be honest, who can command God? No, it's this idea of conveying boldness, boldness in our approach as we ask God for things. In Luke 11, uh, Jesus gives us two 
hypothetical situations. I don't have time to go through all of that passage, but man, great little Bible study, Luke 11. Check that out later. But Luke 11, he gives us two hypothetical situations. And the first situation he gives us is about a neighbor or a friend who would show up at your house in the middle of the night asking for food. Now, I got all kinds of neighbors here that go to this church. I got one behind me. Like a row down, I got another one. Wes Green, uh, he's probably somewhere in the room. He lives like a few hundred yards from my house. And I'll just tell you now, if Wes Green showed up at my house at 2 in the morning and started knocking on my door and opened the door and he said to me, what you got to eat? I can tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to shut the door in his face and go back to bed. But not my wife. My wife would be up making a meal. I mean, she, she'd just do that, right? And what he's saying here is we would do that. I mean, when it comes to, down to it, if a friend truly showed up at our house asking for food, it really doesn't matter what time of the day. We may be annoyed by it. We may be bugged by it. But guess what? We'd still do it, right? We'd still grant the request of the annoying friend, And then he gives us another hypothetical. What kind of father would give his son a snake when his son asked for a fish? What kind of father would do that? Like, no father would do that. Even human flawed fathers, even we know how to give generously to our kid. I'm not going to hand my five-year-old a snake. And then sandwiched in between these two hypotheticals, Jesus says this in verse 9. It's going to be on the screen. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. Now this is not prosperity gospel. It's just giving us a glimpse into the character of a loving God that we would recognize God's desire for us to be real with him about our needs and to be real with him even about our wants. That we can talk to him freely about the things that we are thinking about and that's on our hearts. And guys, isn't this true for all of us? Those of you that are parents in the room, those of you that are grandparents in the room, I desire so much to hear from my children. I desire to hear the things that they're thinking. Let's be honest. As parents, sometimes we already know what they're thinking. I still want to hear from their own mouth what they're thinking. I want to hear about their passions. I want to hear about their emotions. I want to hear about their setbacks and their victories. I want to hear it all. And this is what Jesus wants. God wants this also, that we would ask him freely. Secondly, that we would also ask frequently. That we would ask frequently. He wants you to ask frequently for what you need. And and this is tough for me because guess what? I am not the perfect father that God is. Because when I get asked frequently for stuff, it straight up annoys me. And some of you know what I'm talking about. I have inherited, unfortunately, the gift or curse, however you look at it, of when we're on a road trip, I want to get there as quickly as I can, reasonable, not killing people, but reasonable, and I don't want to stop. 
And so we got four boys in the car. I mean, we keep cups in the car. You know why we keep cups in the car. And if, and if we, if we, here's the thing. If we don't have cups in the car, we pull over on the side of the road. We open the van door, and they go, like right there. We ain't got time to go into a bathroom and get asked for 100 different candies in there. No, we're on the move. But I can tell you now, I'll be driving that car, and we will have just stopped, and we ain't got no cups in the car. I'll be driving that car, and I'll hear it. Dad, I ain't got a bathroom. And you can just feel the life leave my body. I mean, my eyes start to roll back in the back of my head. I got to focus on the road because I like it's, it's just annoying. And here's the thing. It's a basic need, right? A toilet is a basic need or just somewhere to go. It's a basic need. And yet, I'll just be honest, as a flawed father, I get annoyed by that. God doesn't get annoyed. He doesn't get annoyed in this. This is crazy to think about. He never grows weary of us asking. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says this, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Hey, what is God's will for your life? Look at it. It's right there. Rejoice always. Pray continually, frequently. Give thanks in all circumstances. Now, where are we rejoicing? And where are we giving thanks? We're giving it in the middle thing. We're giving it in the prayer time. That this is happening. And and prayer is not something you do. It's a way of life where you are frequently asking. Yeah, I'm going to create a space. Yes, I'm going to spend daily time privately getting in my prayer closet and spending time with God. That's absolutely true. And it's sacred and it's holy and it's a great time with the Lord. But I'm not just staying here with my prayers. I'm walking out of the prayer closet, walking into the everyday life on the phone with God. It's not just that. It's that and this. Through all of my walk, through all of my day, I'm doing this in the every day of my life. It's crazy how this little device has changed our world, isn't it? I mean, conversation, we talked a little bit about this last week. Conversation used to be a geographic location. It used to be you were anchored somewhere. And now this thing is with us. 24-7. We even take it into the bathroom with us. But you want to know something crazy? Like something that will just blow your mind. I'm about to to show you something interesting and maybe convicting. Um, You can literally go right now. In fact, mine just came up while I was studying this morning. Your screen time, right? It comes up for a lot of us if you have that setting. But you can literally go to settings right now. And you can click on screen time if you got the Apple phone or whatever. And it will literally tell you how many hours, minutes, you spend on this thing a day. How much hours and minutes you spend on this thing a week, like your weekly average. And how many times you actually pick this up. Like every time you pick this up, it records that. Isn't that crazy? Like, I want to invite you, not right now, but like later today, go into your screen time and just look at last week 
it's a little sometimes embarrassing. Like yesterday, I picked this thing up 56 times. 56 times. I got this thing out. And this is what really this verse is telling us, this idea of 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18, that, man, if I had as much diligence as I have picking this thing up 56 times a day, what if I replace that with 56 times where I'm focused for just a second, just a brief 30 seconds or a minute here, focused on the things of God, that instead of going to this, what if this was my prayer life? Man, could you imagine what God would do with a person who had that kind of focus, that kind of continual relationship conversation with him? Man, that's convicting, but this is what God's saying here. It's not just this. It's this as well, that throughout the whole day, this kind of conversation with God is going on all the time. If we could approach God this way, Imagine what our prayer life would be, that our prayer life would extend on into all the little moments that give way to talking with God. Next, we want to ask faithfully. We want to ask faithfully. Ask believing that God does indeed know best, even in the midst of our anxiety and our world. I, I asked you a question a, sec, a second ago, but I want to ask another question. Did anybody worry this week? Like a few people. The rest of you are lying. I'm just kidding. <laughs> anybody worry this week? You know what worry is? It's the counterfeit of prayer. It's the counterfeit of prayer. Because we will spend just as much fervent mental energy worrying when God's provided a much better thing for us to do. And Satan has offered up this idea of worry to say, hey, instead of praying, instead of going to the Father about this, let's just worry about it. Let's just sulk. Let's just spiral down into worry and anxiety and depression. We live in the worry era. From the middle school student to the first-time mom to the CEO to the retiree, we're all dealing with it. All of us mulling over the what ifs of worry. What if there's an accident? What if I'm one of the employees to get let go? What if I fail the final exam? What if I run out of money? What if my child rebels? What if I'm not really saved? What if my spouse leaves? What if I get cancer? What if this is the end of the world? Anxiety. Everyone's talking about it. In fact, literally, Disney's making a movie this summer, and the main character's name is Anxiety. Research literally everywhere is showing that anxiety rates are higher now than any time in the last century. And you know where the number really started jumping? Around 2005. The last 20 years. Yet, we have more comfort we have more stuff. We have more entertainments than any other time in history. And yet anxiety is just through the roof. And, and I know, I know some of you are thinking this. Some of you are, are very intelligent people that you can take stats and kind of create your own narrative. But I want to invite you to do the research for yourself. Like you can literally go online and literally 
every single article. There's articles after articles about like medical articles, like research, all this stuff sitting there showing you that this incline of anxiety. And you know what's crazy? You know what follows the exact same trend line from 2005 to where we are now? The thing that follows the exact same trend line. The correlation doesn't mean it's absolute. The correlation is this thing. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy to think about? Like this thing of communication, the thing that we've created to communicate to one another. Man, for a lot of us, it's producing anxiety. And again, I want you to go do your own research on that. But man's device for communication produces anxiety. It produces anxiety. And some of you are like, oh, here we go. Jonathan's on the I hate iPhones train again. I I get it. I talk about this thing a lot, probably because it's something in my life that I'm constantly having to lay over to Christ. But it's not the only factor, but go, go do the research. Our device used for communicating is heralding the greatest era of warriors we have ever seen. So how does prayer factor into that? How does prayer factor into our anxiety? Prayer is a tool. It is a weapon to be used against the enemy and even to be used against our worry. Ephesians 6.18 talks about this. 2 Corinthians 10.4 talks about this. And Philippians 4.6-7 talk about this. Do not be anxious about anything. That's a command, by the way. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Man's device for communication equals anxiety. It produces anxiety. But God's device for communication, prayer, it produces peace. Like this is what this verse is saying. That prayer invites God into the worry. Prayer lets us exchange our panic for peace. That peace isn't found in the absence of a, of a storm. Peace is found in the presence of a Savior. That when we ask faithfully, practicing faith in the God who is in control, he brings us peace. Just a little further in chapter 6. It's probably on the same page that you're reading from right now. Jesus is basically going to review his prayer. And he says this in verse 25. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, your daily bread. Or about your body, what you will wear. He then reminds us that if, if it's him that takes care of things, and if he's going to take care of something as small as a bird, if he's going to take care of something as temporary as flowers, how much more is he taking care of you? Instead, look at verse 33. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. This is peace. This is peace. That we would put our faith in the God whose kingdom is in control. In Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, you have the church facing threats and death. And yet amid, amid what should be causing a lot of anxiety for them, they have a prayer meeting. 
So instead of worrying about stuff and, and fretting over stuff in the midst of certain death, they actually have a prayer meeting. And I love what these early Christians prayed. Look at this with me in verse 29. It's on the screen. Acts 4, 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats. Consider the ones trying to kill us. And enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. And protect us and give us traveling mercies. It's not in there, right? It's crazy. They weren't focused on the things that we would have been focused on. The things I would have been focused on. Because if I was in the midst of threats, if I was in the midst of persecution, you know what I'd be praying for a lot? I mean, probably a whole lot. I'd be praying for, Lord, protect me. Lord, give me comfort. Lord, give me these things. Nothing wrong with asking God for that, but, but notice this. And, and this is so important for us. For some of us, we have parked our prayers on safety and security. We've parked our prayer life there. That everything that drives us, everything that causes us to react and go into our prayer closet and get on the phone with the Lord, it always seems to be revolving around safety and security. And I'll just tell you, like, if this is my mission, if safety and security is my mission, then there's no wonder there's worry, right? Because it's so hard to keep that in focus. It's so hard to, to keep that at whole, at bay. But if you're a child of God, let me just tell you, my mission is not safety and security. My mission is the advancement of the gospel to the ends of the earth. And for some of us, man, this is where we are. When we are praying, truly believing in faith and the character of the one we are praying to, our requests begin to look more like the kingdom and the will of God. That the more time we go here and the more time we're on this with our Lord and Savior, the more time we're talking to the Father, our asks, our requests begin to look a little different. It gets off of the spot of safety and security and it moves into what does God really want? What is God really focused on? They were so in focus with God's kingdom. Now, Lord, consider their threats. Consider them like there's people after us, God. So we ask you to consider that. And enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. That is a powerful, faithful request. And I love verse 31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were filled, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. He honored their requests. Man, what a powerful move of God. 
because the right prayer was being prayed. It wasn't focused on everything that I wanted. It wasn't focused on all of the things that I want. It wasn't focused on my agenda. No, it goes back to your kingdom come, your will be done. That when that is the foundation of what we're praying, the give us this day our daily bread still fits into the foundation of your kingdom come, your will be done. God answered in a powerful way this prayer. And yet, if you were in Acts 4, you could just turn the page. And guess what? Stephen's dead. You turn the page a few more, James dies. You turn the pages a few more, the church gets scattered around. They get displaced. They lose their homes. You turn the pages a few more, there's a shipwreck. And by the end of the book of Acts, like just shortly after the book of Acts, All these heroes of the faith, for the most part, are dead. Not a real promising thing to think about, isn't it? Maybe they should have been praying for safety and security, right? No, that's not the point. Greater than their comforts, their wants, greater than their safety, and even their lives, the kingdom of God continued to advance. And God used these men to shake the world. This is what he desires from us. This is what he desires in that prayer life we have, to shake the world for his gain and his glory. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Are you aligning and asking through prayer Or are you anxious and oblivious to the things of God? Are you anxious and oblivious to what God desires for you and for this world? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. I'm going to ask my good friend Paul to come up. Paul is the prayer partner director for our church. He's the one that orchestrates who is up front every week. I've asked him to come up and lead us in prayer. And I'm going to ask you during this prayer, last week we kneeled, and this week I'd like for us to have a posture of open hands. And so if you feel comfortable, I just want to invite you to open up your hands as Paul's about to pray. And, and here's, what we're, here's what we're praying. We're saying to God, Lord, there's all this in my hands, Lord. There's things you've put in my hands. And God, maybe there's more things you want to put in my hands, or maybe there's some things you want to take out of my hands. God, we want to pray right here and now that your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, Paul, will you please lead us? Thank you. Heavenly Father, we come to you broken. We come to you humbled. We come to you saying, Lord, you are all we need. Father, we just, you are the Alpha and the Omega. You are our provider. You are our healer. And so many times, Lord, we just ask that you forgive us for making it about us because it's all about you. It always has been about you. And, Father, we just um, let us start each day out saying, Lord, what do you have? What is your purpose for me today? And let us throughout the day, Father, say, view our life, all our situations through your eyes, Lord. Let us glorify you in all that we do, all that we think, and all that we say in every instance throughout our days. We ask all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.
So we're going to stand and sing together. I'm going to invite you to stand. Our prayer partners are going to be here at the front. Maybe the Lord is leading you to do something in this moment. Maybe it's sing. Maybe it's get around the altar, pray. Maybe it's find a prayer partner. Just do what God would have you do in this moment together.